Greetings to you from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Make every crooked path straight. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We began to look at the issue of sanctification in our last broadcast and um, we, we tried to move from the crucified life to the sanctified life or the crucified man to the sanctified man. And in that we looked at the issue, the case of Abraham, when God spoke to him in um, Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 and spoke about him leaving his uh, country, leaving his, um, uh, his family, his father's house and his family and going to the land that God has shown him. And we looked at those as stages in which the Almighty God moves his, the believer through, moving from sanctification, get out of your country, from salvation, rather, get out of your country, to sanctification, away from your uh, father's house, away from your immediate family, which is uh, a deeper form of sanctification, onto a land that I will show you that is the place of service. Now, in so doing, we came to, we came to speak about the fact that the fact that after you are born again, which means the, the, the old man has died, because the old man dies once you, once you become born again. If, you are, if the old man has not died, you are not born again. So once you become born again, the old man has died. But if care is not taken, the old man returns because nothing has taken place. There has been no change. We use the example of when a demon is taken out of a man, the example that the Lord Jesus used, I think, in Matthew chapter 12, where the demon is taken out of, uh, out of a, a, a man. But because the man did not fill himself with the word of God, did nothing with him, his house was empty, his, his life was empty. And so the demon was able to re-enter and his his uh, latter stage was worse than the former. So we said that until, or rather unless, something happens, that man, that crucified man, will soon become a backsliding man. As, uh, yes, will soon become a backsliding man. And so this is where sanctification comes in. We discuss sanctification as the process of renewing the mind uh, through the word of God. That is, the process by which whatever was there from the time you were born, because the old man, the old nature, the sinful nature, already acquired so many things through parental influence, through education, through your friends, your colleagues, and so on and so forth. And as a result, had um, acquired certain things. And so those things must be pushed out and the word of God pushed in. We, we, we spoke of that in, in the, in, in, as, as the process of of sanctification. Sanctification is something that goes on until we come to be with the Lord. It does not start and stop just at, as a, a, a short thing. So we said that sanctification, uh, I think we use the example of um, when a person gets, surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. That is, you hear the word of God, you are convicted, you are convinced that you're a sinner, you confess before, before the Lord, you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come and save your soul, at that point, God Almighty pronounces you righteous. At that pronouncement of righteousness, of you being righteous, the flesh dies. It's a, it's a spiritual truth. The flesh dies and has no, no, no way to come up again. Now, on the basis of that, the Holy Spirit now comes in, comes in, not upon, but comes into that fellow to make him righteous. God pronounces him righteous because he confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now the Holy Spirit 
comes to make him righteous. And as a result of the Holy Spirit making him righteous, he is now able to walk righteously. Now, in following this process, the issue of the Holy Spirit um, um, making him righteous and him walking righteously, it's, it's something that happens in tandem. And it is something that is a continuous process. So we, 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 I think we concluded uh, the last broadcast by noting that sanctification is a process of purging the old nature, purifying the new man by the word of God. That is renewing that, uh, that, 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 that new man through the word of God and preparing the new man for divine service, teaching him the things that he needs to know. This is the area of the, um, a deeper consecration or um, fellowship and devotion to God. Now, we use the illustration of the man who has a bad leg and the leg has to be cut off and now he takes on prosthetics. Good. So let's use that illustration to move on to what we want to discuss today. We are going to try and summarize the issue of sanctification and then we are going to, by the grace of God, look at the reasons for sanctification or why sanctification is crucial for the believer. Now, we all are like that man born with a bad leg. We are all born with bad legs. So no matter how much we try, we cannot walk straight. The solution is to cut off that bad leg and fit in prosthetics, basically amputation. This process of amputation is what we refer to as the dying of the flesh. So when we become born again, what we are saying when we, when we go to God is to say, we have bad legs, and no matter how much we try, we cannot um, walk straight. In other words, we are sinners, and we cannot live right. So in going to God and admitting that, we are saying we have bad legs. And we say, amputate these bad legs and give us prosthetics. So God now amputates the bad leg and gives us prosthetics. Now that we have prosthetics, we need to learn how to use it. Because we have never used it before. This is a process. It takes time before you can learn to walk with prosthetics, not just walk with it, run with it, and do everyday activities without even thinking that you, are, that you have prosthetics. You just know that this is a natural thing for me to do. This is what sanctification is about. Sanctification is about a man who was a sinner, who has been saved, and now his old nature has been removed. Now he has a new nature and he must now be trained. He must be educated as it were. He must be developed on how to use, to, on, on how to live this new life, which comes as a result of teachings. Dedicated, devoted teachings by the Spirit of God. This is where the place of the church really stands. The place of the church is to teach the new believer, which is, I think we read uh, Hebrews chapter 5, where it says, for a time when you ought to be teachers, you still need one to teach you again the, 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 the new, sort of the, the, the basics of the Christian foundation. Because it is expected that once you are born again, you ought to have been taught and you ought to have grown. If that teaching does not take place, the man who was 
who are, whose, whose old nature had been crucified will soon become carnal. In other words, it's as though no crucifixion took place. If we go back to the issue of the bad leg and the prosthetics, when this man has his legs amputated and is unable to use the prosthetics, what many people now do is to throw away the prosthetics and go and take the bad leg that has been amputated that is now smelly and try to fix it back and work with it. It's not possible. So you are neither going forward nor are you not, and, 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 and instead you are degenerating, you are deteriorating. So the solution is to learn how to use the prosthetics. You cannot stay without using the prosthetics because you have already confessed that you have bad legs. So you cannot haven't confessed that you have bad legs and the legs have been amputated, go back and take the bad legs. You must, since you now have prosthetics, you have new legs that have been, that have been put there and they are prosthetics, you now need to learn how to walk with them because you have never gone this way before. You must therefore submit yourself to the training, the teaching of the Holy Spirit so that you are now able to use these prosthetics in the process you are now able to serve God, have fellowship with God, have devotion with God, do whatever it is that God wants you to do and recognize that from now on your life is about a life of service and devotion to Almighty God. This process, this whole process I've described is, the, is, is what is referred to as sanctification. So we can summarize and say sanctification is a process or is the process of making a sinner a saint the word saint in i think in the original means um sanctified a sanctified person so it is the process of making a sinner a saint so that he is a saint indeed he becomes a saint indeed if you read first corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 Romans chapter 1 verse 7, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, and many of the letters you will find there where the Apostle Paul particularly writes to the saints in the, a particular city. The, 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 that he's referring there to those who have been born again and, have, and are being sanctified, have been sanctified and are being sanctified. Now, I remember I told you, I mentioned that sanctification is a process. You are sanctified and being sanctified. It is a continuous process. It does not begin and end in one day. It continues until we depart this world and go to be with God. So sanctification is the process of making a sinner a saint indeed. It is not a canonization. That, is, that, that has no basis in, in, in scripture where you make somebody a saint on the basis of one thing or the other. No, you are a saint because you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you have now surrendered your life through to the Holy Spirit to change you, to transform you, so that you can serve God acceptably. Sanctification is this is, is the process of setting the new believer apart for holy use. You used to be, when you were not born again, you were used for evil purposes, for unrighteous purposes, for ungodly purposes. But when you become sanctified, you are being set apart. You are no longer one that can be used by Satan to do the evil things. You are now being set apart for holy use, for use only by God. Sanctification begins with salvation, but it continues, like I said earlier, until we go home to be with the Lord. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
from verse 13 through to 15. He says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, blessed a beloved brother by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So we see the agencies for sanctification, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. The Lord Jesus said, in, he prayed for, for believers in John chapter 17, verse 17, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So salvation comes through sanctification. In other words, without sanctification, that salvation that we are holding is flimsy. It's like taking a door check to a bank. Nobody's going to pay you on that. But when you take a check that is authentic, you know with every confidence that you are going to withdraw money. So a salvation that has no sanctification is, is a salvation that is hopeless. A salvation that is not going to give you anything. Indeed, it is not salvation at all. In verse 14 it says, To which he called you, that is God called you, by, the, by our gospel, for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the basis by which we are going to be glorified with him. Without sanctification, we are not going to be glorified with him. You can say it from now till tomorrow that you are going to be glorified with the Lord. You will not be glorified without you being sanctified. In verse 15 it says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. In other words, the sanctification is a control process whereby we hold fast to the word of God. The word of God is the basis on which we are sanctified. Our constitution ceases to be the culture or the traditions of the world. Our constitution now is whatever the word of God says to us. That is our constitution. We may have known certain things to do because our parents taught us. But now what we know to do is only what God teaches us through his word. We become not just students of the word of God, but we become people who live by the word of God. So sanctification begins with salvation, but it must continue until we go home to be with the Lord. And we had said from our last broadcast that it is a process of purging, purifying, and preparing the believer in Christ for divine service and fellowship with God. Indeed, you cannot separate divine service from fellowship with God. Divine service is the result of our fellowshipping with God. With that fellowship with God, how then do we know what kind of service God requires of us? We must interact with Him. And note, God, the Bible says that God is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. God cannot have fellowship with a man that is not sanctified. Our sanctification is made so that we can have fellowship with God. If we are not sanctified, if we are not purged of the old nature and purified so that the new man can come forth and be prepared to serve God, we cannot indeed have fellowship with him. If you go to Daniel chapter 1, the Bible tells us in Daniel how Daniel, having been brought into the culture of the Chaldeans from being a Jew, had to be passed through a process of learning the, 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 the ways of the Chaldean so that he could stand, himself and his colleagues could stand before Nebuchadnezzar the king. He had to learn so many things on how to be able to approach the king, on how to be able to serve the king. It is the same thing here. We don't know how to approach God, but through sanctification, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we are able to have fellowship with the Lord. So that sanctification is that 
process that makes it possible for us to have fellowship with God. So let's jump into the main thing that we want to discuss now. Why is sanctification crucial? The scripture we read, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, makes it clear. It says that, I read it again, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. From the beginning, God had determined that anybody who is going to be saved must be sanctified. So to be saved and not to be sanctified is a problem. In other words, the route or the route to salvation is sanctification. True salvation that is never to be lost is through sanctification. If a man is not sanctified, he is going to lose out on whatever it is that God wants to do. In Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, I believe from verse 4, Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 4, the Bible makes a very categorical statement. It says in verse 4, it says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away. There is a difference between falling and falling away. When you fall, you sin and you are grieved, you are troubled. You want to repent. You want God to, you want, you, you want God to return. Like David in, in Psalm 51, he began to plead and said to God, do not take away your Holy Spirit. Oh, forgive me. It is you alone that I sinned against. I did not sin against men. But when you fall away, you will sin and you will enjoy it. You have entered, you have gone beyond a backsliding state. You are like the dog that has gone back to its vomit, like the pig that has gone to wallow in its, in, 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 in its, in its, uh, in its mire. And therefore, your latter end is worse than the former. That is what happens here. If this man haven't tasted this, he says, if he should fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put him to an open ship. How are you going to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ again? The Bible says he died once and for all time. So how are you going to bring him back again and nail him? You want to, you want to, this time around, what you are doing is you are shaming him. The first, the first and only crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ was one that was done in power for the salvation of mankind. The second one that you are now trying to do is like putting him to shame, shaming that fact. Of the crucifixion which is where power for the Christian life derives and then it goes on it says for the earth which drinks in the rain which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God but if it bears thorns and briars it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned how can rain come onto a ground and it not bring forth luscious fruit. Now, if rain comes into the ground and all we find are thorns, then it means that the plant itself was faulty. What the Bible is saying is that how can you be reading the Bible? How can you be studying the Word of God and yet you are living a life that is contrary to God? It means that in essence, sanctification did not take place. Your salvation was false. It was a hopeless 
salvation. It had no basis in scripture. Secondly, when we talk of the, 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 the reason why sanctification is crucial, in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, the Bible makes it clear to us that unless we walk by this in the spirit, unless we we walk in the spirit. He says we will not be. We will have. We will be fulfilling the lust, the desires of the flesh. Let me read it. Galatians five sixteen and seven says, "I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you are not walking in the spirit, you are not. You are going to fulfill every desire of the old nature. That those desires will be there, and you will be. That is all you'll be doing. You'll be." Acting out the old nature rather than the new nature. So we find a lot of people who say they are born again. And yet, what they are doing, they are living by the flesh. In other words, we can say conclusively from, from this that if a man is not sanctified, he would slide back into living the life of the flesh. He would live, he would abandon the prosthetics and go and take the bad legs and try and fit in and say, I want to walk. And he will always stumble. Always stumble and fumble. In verse 17, it says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. The Bible makes it clear that it is not possible for the flesh and the spirit to dwell together because they are diametrically opposed to one another. It's like a man who has who had a friend, now has a new friend, but this the former friend and the new friend don't see eye to eye. And yet, he believes that because he now has made friend with this new person and was a friend and had a friend in the old person, he can bring the two of them together. It's not possible. He will have to make a choice between the two. So we find ourselves in the center of decision making. Am I going to go with the flesh or am I going to go with the spirit? Am I going to follow what I have learned over time? Am I going to follow what my parents taught me? Am I going to over what God is saying? Am I going to follow what I was taught in school over what God is teaching me? Am I going to follow what my friends are counseling me over what God is counseling? That is the choice that we have to make. And the Bible says, walk with the Spirit. Follow the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And you will not follow those things that your parents said, your culture says, all those things that you learned before you got born again. You will have to jettison them completely. No matter how much you may feel that they had worked for you, you will soon realize that they are not working for you. In verse 19 to 21, the Bible tells us, the works, the kind of activities, if you find these activities, you will know that the flesh is still very strong in you and that, quite frankly, sanctification has not taken place. So that's why we say, without sanctification, you will slide back to the flesh. If you ever find yourself sliding back to the flesh, you need to check what has happened. Maybe you stopped being sanctified. I told you, sanctification is a continuous process. It is something that we do every day, every, until we depart this world. It's not something that happens, I, I, I went to school, I learned sanctification for six years, now I've graduated. You never graduate from this school. It is something that goes on and on and on. So the Bible now says in verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, 
fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It is, it is, a, it is an anomaly for somebody to be committing adultery and to say, that he's, going to, that he's going to go to heaven. You cannot. Because what is happening is that you are now living by the flesh, not by the spirit. The Bible says that a man who divorces his wife and then marries another person commits adultery. And the woman who has been divorced, if she should marry somebody else, is that man is making her commit adultery. So that you find that a man who is in a second marriage and a woman who is married to a man who is in a second marriage they are committing adultery. It is the flesh. If it were the spirit, you would not have that. So by the time you become born again, you will discover that this, the things that you were doing before, you want to drop them. You don't need somebody to teach you restitution. Why? Because you have now surrendered your life and you have opened yourself up to the spirit of God to help you. I had a very interesting story. A man was a pedophile. He was... Um, abusing little children, sexually that is. And then he got born again. Do you know that after he got born again, he went to the police and reported himself that I have been doing such and such a thing. That is the impact of the Spirit of God upon the life of a man. He was not looking at whether he's going to go to jail or whether he's going to suffer. For all you care, that is God's plan for him. He might go to jail and in that jail he will blossom and he will learn the word of God and he will become one who will be teaching the, 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 the other prisoners the word of God in that place and be teaching them the truth. God has his way of doing things. So without sanctification, you would slide back to the flesh. I once read uh, something that somebody wrote, uh, an article, I think it was a blog, many years ago. She wrote, she said, I am gay and I'm a Christian and gay. And I said, how, how is that possible? Those two words don't come together. Or was it one that I heard of a lady who, a single lady who was pregnant and she posted on her page, said, I am I'm single, I'm pregnant, and a pastor. How, how do those words go together? That is the flesh. So you see that, quite frankly, what has happened is that such people threw off the prosthetics and went and got the rotten flesh, the rotten legs that were already discarded and they are trying to walk with it and all they are going to be doing is groveling in dust. They are never going to be able to walk. So without sanctification, you would slide back into the flesh, into the mire and the dirt of, 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 of filthiness and all these other things that we just read in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. The stuff of fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. How do you say that you, you are born again, you are sanctified? And the Holy Spirit is not telling you about what you are putting on, that this is wrong. You don't need a pastor to tell you that. If the Spirit of God were in you, he would tell you that what are you putting on your body? This does not glorify God. God does not want this, this, this attire, what you are putting on, to be on his body. Remember, once you become born again, you are no longer your own. You have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. You belong to God and God wants you to be whole. God wants you to be holy before him. God wants you to be humble before him. God wants you to be sanctified. God wants you to be one that he can show off as it were. 
and said, this is my very own. And those who belong to me, they have a culture and a way of behaving. If we continue in Genesis and Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 25, uh, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What is he saying here? Fruit bearing is only possible through sanctification. As the Spirit of God is teaching us the new life, the new way to walk, the new way to live, and we are imbibing it, what is happening is that we, we, are, we are now beginning to bring forth fruit. It is a natural process when the Spirit of God is doing His work in us. So that it is impossible for someone who is not who has not allowed the Spirit of God to work in his life to be able to produce fruit. Many people think that fruit bearing is the process of learning how to do this. No, the process of becoming like Christ, becoming Christ indeed, is what brings forth the fruit. You will bear fruit naturally. You bear fruit automatically. I think I used the illustration some time back of a goat that is that is used to eating grass. But the goat has now become born again and has now been taught to, to eat only fodder that is prepared by his master rather than going all over the place eating grass, eating plastic bags, eating paper and all kinds of things. Merely taking that goat to, to church is not going to change it. The goat's heart must be changed to hate grass and that other thing and to desire fodder. Now, if that heart were changed correctly let's put it that way that goat will desire only further in the same way if indeed we have changed our desire our delight will be for the word of god we will run away from anything indeed the lord jesus said my sheep they know me he says if it's, if they hear the voice of a stranger they will run away from him but we find so many people who flock into churches today who run after all kinds of people. There is no discernment in them. There's no discrimination in them. Which means that the Spirit of God is not present. They are not bringing forth fruit. In Romans chapter 7, verse 1 to 6. Romans chapter 7 from verse 1 to 6. The Bible says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law, to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Now, here he is using this illustration of marriage to teach the Jews that they are free from the law because Christ has died for them. Christ has come. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And once you come into Christ, the law is fulfilled only in Christ. If you try to do it on your own, you'll be wasting your time. And so he says, until, you, until the law dies in you, not for the Jew, but for the Gentile, until the flesh dies, the old man dies, Christ cannot really manifest in that person. 
And if Christ is not manifested with that person, he cannot bear fruit no matter how many times he goes to church, even if he's a pastor or a general overseer. That is the issue here. So in verse 4, he says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. That's what I mentioned earlier. That you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. You see, if you have not been separated from the ways of the flesh, from the ways of the old nature, and you say you are married to Christ, what you are doing essentially is that you are fornicating. You're sorry, you are an adulterer. The Bible says in James, in James chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? That if a man desires, just desires, to be friends with the world, he is already an enemy. So that's what is being said here. If you go back to the old nature, what has happened? It means the old nature is still alive. It means that you are trying to engage with Christ whilst the, the former, your former husband is still alive. No, you are not dead. You are not, you are not, you are not separated. You cannot get married to Christ until that old man is dead and thoroughly cut off. But as long as the old man is still there with you, you are going to have a problem. You are going to have a difficulty. You are going to have a challenge. You will be struggling to want to live right when it is, in fact, it is impossible for you to live right. You are going to be trying to live right, but you will never be able to live, and you will become frustrated. Why? Because the very nature that enables you to live right, you have not allowed it to be, to be groomed and to grow in you. In verse 5, it says, For when we were in the flesh. The sinful passions were aroused by the law. So the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So when we surrendered our lives, to the Lord Jesus Christ, who were delivered for the Jews from the law, for the Gentiles from those things that we were used to, those elements that we are used to, were delivered from them, so that we can now live unto God in the newness of the Spirit for the Jews, not the oldness of the letter, where they are following the Ten Commandments. No. We are following the Spirit of God. As long as we are doing what the Spirit of God wants us to do, we are going to be fulfilling the Ten Commandments. The issue of fulfillment of the law is only in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Any other way, you will not be able to fulfill the law. You will be trying to fulfill the law. You will think you are doing okay, but indeed, it will be rubbish. Like Isaiah said, he said, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. And the, 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 the terminology there, I'm told, is the description of the woman's menstrual cloth. That that is what that kind of righteousness will connote. It's like the menstrual cloth of a woman that and is being presented to God as a work of righteousness. Of course, God will is an abomination to God. So every act that we engage in outside of the Spirit of God, outside of the Word of God, is called dead works. For good works to come, it must be by the Spirit of God. And that is where we talk of fruit bearing. So when the Lord Jesus Christ said, you that you did not choose me, but I chose you, that's in John chapter 15, verse 16, that you should go forth and bear fruit. What he's saying there is, 
you were chosen for the Spirit of God to indwell you so that through you, fruit will be born. You cannot bear fruit of your own. And he said that in, 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 the, first, in the early parts of John chapter 15. He said, if you are not in me, and I am not in you, and my word is not in you, you cannot bear fruit. And if you are not bearing fruit, you are going to be cut off. But if you are bearing fruit, the little you are bearing, you are going to be pruned for more fruitfulness. This is the process of sanctification. It brings us to fruit bearing. So it is crucial. God is interested in fruit bearing. The Bible says that somewhere in Luke, when God went to the husbandman and said, I have been coming here to look for fruit from this tree that I planted. In, in, my, in, in, my, in my, this fig tree I planted in my vineyard. Ah, and the thing is not bringing Please cut it down. God is interested in fruit. When the Lord Jesus Christ was hungry, he saw a fig tree. He went to the fig tree expecting to find fruit, but he found leaves. And he cursed the fig tree. Many of us are showing forth leaves instead of fruit. And we think that leaves is equivalent of fruit. No! Leaves are dead works. Fruit is what is uh, good works. All those preaching, singing, uh, programs, all those things that we think are good works, they are called leaves. There's nothing wrong with leaves if there are fruits. But if there's no fruit, your leaves is useless. So that is the problem here. Sanctification becomes crucial because it is the way by which fruit is produced in us. It is produced by the Spirit of God. We, can, we don't work to produce it. We love all men because the Spirit of God is, has done a work within us to change our mindset, to not look at anybody through the lens of ethnicity or race or whatever. We have been changed. We don't even look at ourselves as belonging to an ethnic group or to a tribe because we are Christ's and Christ does not belong to any tribe. So this is the issue. When we talk of uh, self-control, we, we cannot control ourselves. We have submitted ourselves to the Holy Spirit's control. So the Holy Spirit controls us and because he's in charge and we have allowed him to be in charge, we are able to control the self. No man can control the self. The Bible tells us, I think it's in James, it says that a man will, will, will be without sin if indeed he can guide his tongue. So when the Holy Spirit begins to do his work, the, one of the things that we'll notice is that he takes over the tongue. When we are too talkative, we need to be careful because it means the Holy Spirit is not, he has not taken charge. We are, we are resisting him taking charge. There are times when those people tell you to keep quiet. Even though your old nature will say, this is the time to speak. He will tell you to keep quiet. Once you submit to the Spirit of God, you will keep quiet. Then they say, this man has self-control. And you are not struggling to, to have self-control. It is because you have yielded yourself to the Holy Spirit. You have allowed him to take charge of your life. He does everything that he wants to do. And that way you are able to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Another thing that is crucial about uh, sanctification. We we'll find that in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, but in a great house. There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, the latter is the dishonor, the wood and clay, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Without sanctification, you cannot serve God. It is sanctification that that makes us 
He says, he's a vessel unto honor, sanctified and useful. We are going to be useless to God without our being sanctified. Prepared for every good sanctification prepares you for every good work. Without sanctification, you will be doing dead works and you'll be useless to God. So it is not so much whether you are preaching or you are a general overseer or you are whatever. That is not the issue here. The issue is whether you are sanctified, whether you have submitted yourself to the Holy Spirit to use you and to do his work through you. Because you see the Holy Spirit, let, 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 me, let me explain it uh, in, in another way. If a man wants to carry a heavy load and doesn't want to use his bare hands, he gets gloves and then uses the gloves to carry the load. Now the Holy Spirit is like the man and we are like the gloves. So he puts the gloves into his hands and lifts up the load. And so we see miracles working and some people begin to get proud and arrogant and bloated as though they are the ones doing it. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. The gloves that is carrying the thing, if you put the gloves on down on its own, it cannot pick up any load. The Holy Spirit needs to put on the gloves to be able to lift up the load. So this is one issue. Now the other thing I want to draw, draw out here when we talk of sanctification, is now imagine that, yes, he needs to carry this load and he needs to put on gloves to carry this load. But when he opens the gloves, there are ants and dirty stuff, fungal things inside the gloves. The first thing he's going to have to do, if he must use those gloves, let's assume there's no other option, is to turn those gloves up, uh, inside out and thoroughly cleanse it thoroughly cleanse the gloves and that's what happens we are like those gloves filthy and dirty but he has chosen that he has made up his mind that i'm going to use these gloves to do this work so what is he going to do he first of all turns us inside out and begins to clean us from the outside from the inside when we are clean he dries us out so that we can be pure then he perfumes us and does everything now it is time for him to put on the gloves. And instead of allowing him to put on the gloves, we start jumping all over the place and say, oh, see how wonderful we are. See what Jesus has done to me. See what, how Jesus has done. All those things that Lord Jesus Christ did in your life through the Holy Spirit was so that you can be useful to him in doing the work. It's not so that you can go around making noise. You are purified. You are made holy for divine service, for divine purpose. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 10 to 14, Haggai chapter 2, verse 10 to 14, God asked a pertinent question of the priests and is applicable to us here. He says from Haggai chapter 2, from verse 10 to 14, on the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now ask the priests concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, No. So what he saying is that if you, you, because you are carrying something that is holy on your body, and you now touch something, will that thing you have touched become holy? No. Then, in verse 13, says, And Haggai said, If one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. It will be unclean. Because you are unclean. You will, anything you touch is unclean. But the fact that there is something holy in you does not make whatever you are touching to be holy automatically. 
That sin has to be made holy. Now, but the clincher is in verse 14. He says, Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. He says, This nation has refused to be holy. And so everything that they are doing is unclean. Because they are unclean, everything they do is unclean. So without sanctification, your service to God is unclean. Your service to God is meaningless. Your service to God is dead works. You recall when we were looking at Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, where God told Abraham, he said, get out of thy country, away from thy father's house, away from your family, and out of your father's house to a land that I will show you. You, he had to get out. He had to leave those places before he could see the land that God was showing him. He had to leave uh, of the Chaldeans. He had to leave Haran, where his father had stayed. He had to now get into the land. And regardless of the fact that Canaan was a tough ground at the beginning, it was still the land where God had promised to give to Abraham and to his descendants, what we call the nation of Israel today. But Abraham had to leave. So until you leave that old way of life and allow the Spirit of God to turn your life around, your service will not be acceptable unto God. So we've seen so far that sanctification is the route or the route by which we are truly saved. Because we must be saved, our salvation is through sanctification. Secondly, without sanctification, we would slide back to the flesh. Thirdly, sanctification is what enables the Christian to bear fruit automatically, to bear fruit effortlessly, because that is what it is. Fruit is born. You don't see a tree struggling to bear fruit. Fruit is born because the fruit is well taken care of, is nurtured with nutrients and sends it to the branches. The branches bring forth fruit. It is a natural process. It's an easy process. And fourthly, without sanctification, your service it's going to be meaningless, it's going to be unacceptable, it's going to be considered dead works, it's going to be unclean. So you need to be clean. Those gloves must be made clean. Then the Holy Spirit puts his hands inside the gloves and now uses it to do the work that God wants to use, God wants done. I think I've said this before, it bears repetition, that the work of God can only be done by God. And if God is going to do his work through a man, he will first of all sanctify that man Make that man holy so that he can now indwell that man and do his work through that man. Without the man manifesting any pride or any arrogance. We, 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 Paul mentioned how God sent a messenger from Satan to buffet him because of the multitude of revelations and all the things that he had been able to, 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 to get because so that God can stem pride in his life. And Paul now said, I would rather glory in my deficiency so that God can be magnified. This our glory in ourselves is a sign that sanctification has either not taken place or it started but it was truncated. And we see a lot of that today among so-called ministers of the gospel. People who, who acknowledge the accolades of the crowd rather than giving glory to God. Finally, sanctification is crucial because the word of God, you see the Bible, was written for sanctified men. You will discover that you cannot live by the word of God unless you are sanctified. 
and are being sanctified. That is, your sanctification is continuous. That's when the word of God will make sense to you. That's when you, you will find joy in reading it. You will find joy in living out the word of God. There are many people who are trying to live out the word of God without being sanctified. And they now have challenges. They have problems, difficulties. They are wondering, why is it so hard? Why is it? Because you have not been trained to use the prosthetics. So walking is a problem. But when you submit yourself to the therapy of the training on how to use these prosthetics, you will soon discover that it is very easy to use it after some time. It's not something that you are going to get used to overnight. In fact, there are some, there are some things that you will be learning. You may have learned some things for the past 10 years and you are going okay. By the 11th year, one or two things will surface again and the Holy Spirit will begin to teach you some more things. So it is a continuous process. Indeed, the word of God is for sanctified men. It, it is not for the unsanctified. The word of God is sanctified. You remember what the Lord Jesus prayed in John 17, 17? Sanctify them by thy word, thy, thy, by thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is the, is the agency for our sanctification. Is the agency whereby the things that we thought we had from culture, from background, from education, from interaction with friends, from parental upbringing and so on and so forth, are put away and the word is now brought in. We are, the, the old man, the old nature is purged out and the new man is brought in. It is this process that makes us sanctified. So when we begin to read the word of God, there is a joy, there is a delight. Someone says, blessed is the man that walketh on the counsel of the ungodly, nor, nor standeth in the, in, the, in the path of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law of the Lord that he meditate day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the side of the river. And he will be fruitful. In a drought, he will not, he, he, he will not even know that there is a drought. Why? Because he's by the side of the water. In other words, he will be fruitful, effortlessly fruitful. The word of God, I emphasize again, was written to sanctified men. It was, yes, we say it was written to Christians. That's true. That is because the, we, we, we take for granted that the fact that a Christian is a sanctified man. If you are not sanctified, you are not a Christian. So what must I do? It's simple. You have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then submit to the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Open yourself up and allow the Spirit of God to teach you through the Word of God. As you read the Word of God, you open, you believe it and you put it to practice. Whatever the Lord is asking you to do, you do it. You cannot do without prayer. Prayer by itself is not something that we do because we want God to do this or do that. No, prayer by itself is the means of communication with God. Is the means by which our defenses are broken down and God has access to us on the inside to begin to do his work on the inside and cleanse like the gloves. The gloves, the, 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 what, when, we, when we acknowledge God, the gloves can now be turned inside out and be cleansed from the inside. But when we don't acknowledge God, the, the gloves are there struggling with the Holy Spirit when he wants to pick. Say, no, I don't want to be picked. No, leave me alone. No. That is what we have. We have a situation in which people come to church and they have an idea bent on their own, their own imagination on what they want to hear. So when they're not here, they go elsewhere and say, nah, I'm not, this one is not telling me anything that is helping me. I want something, someone that will tell me something that will be able to make money. Making money is not the gospel. That's not the gospel. 
The gospel is the fact, let me tell you the truth. You are a, you are a sinner about to perish. When the Lord Jesus Christ came as a lamb to die on your behalf and therefore save you, he did not come to make you rich. He came to make you rich indeed in God. That is to have the abundance of the life of God in you, not the abundance of money. If God came so that we can be rich, so that we can have the, the goodies of this world, then what is heaven for? What is it that a Christian has more than an unbeliever in this world, if it is not Christ? It cannot be money. It cannot be houses. It cannot be cars. It cannot be any of those things. It is God. So, sanctification is crucial. Because one, your salvation is dependent on it. Without it, you have no salvation. Two, without sanctification, you backslide. That's the simple truth. Three, without sanctification, you cannot bear fruit. Sanctification is a process by which fruit bearing is become, becomes easy. Fourthly, without sanctification, your service to God is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. If you like, plant 2,000 churches. It doesn't mean anything. If you like, preach to 5 million people. It doesn't mean anything to God. Because what you are doing is you are unclean and whatever you touch, whatever you are teaching is unclean. And God cannot behold something that is unclean. He cannot even take it in. And finally, you cannot live by the word of God without sanctification because the word of God was written to sanctified men. When a man is sanctified, he is able to look at the word of God and live by it without quarrel, without struggling with it, without wanting to bring his own interpretation. The interpretation of the word of God is given by the word of God himself. He does not quarrel with God. In conclusion, sanctification is God's means of bringing the new believer to live as he ought to. That is, to live as Christ. Because through sanctification, Christ is made manifest on the inside. The Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So Christ is the greater one in us by his spirit. So that through this process of sanctification, we are made to be saints. We are made sanctified. We are saints. We are made to live like saints. We are sanctified men. The sanctified life. And through it, we are brought to serve God acceptably. The process is simple. I make my confessions. I am born again. I am saved. But note, once saved is not always saved. I am saved. There's a second step. Such salvation that you have is a door opener to the house. Now that you have entered the house, you will discover sanctification. You must be sanctified. Without sanctification, you whatever you are doing in that house, you are an unwelcome guest. Sanctification is a process whereby you are now cleansed. And you are now ready to open certain doors in the house. Without that cleansing, those doors will not open to you. Because those doors are kept by God. It is through sanctification that we are now able to enter all the areas that God wants for us. The areas of ministry, the areas of service, the areas of fellowship, the areas of relationship with other people, and so on and so forth. The areas of understanding the word of God, of receiving the word of God itself. After sanctification, we now talk of service. Your service to God is on the basis of your being sanctified. A man who has not been sanctified is not serving God. He may think he's serving God, but he's not serving God. Paul remarked and said that when he was doing what he was doing, he thought, when he was doing what he was doing, a saw of Tarsus, he said, I thought I was doing God's service. 
until he became born again and of course sanctified. Then it dawned on him that what he called service was actually an abomination to God. When the Lord Jesus Christ met him on the road to, 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 to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I said, who are you, Lord? I'm not persecuting you. I'm just some miscreants who are calling on the name of Yahweh and I'm persecuting. I said, no, it is me you are persecuting. Once you are sanctified, you are Christ. And anybody that touches you has touched Christ. Touch not, touch not my anointed is not just a, a statement for pastors. It's a statement that applies to everyone that has the sanctified life operating within him because Christ is in him. The pastor is a, a vessel in the hands of the Holy Spirit to teach the word of God because the Holy Spirit has taught him and has, is now using him as the means by which he can teach. The, he has opened himself. He has made himself available to the Spirit of God to teach. When you have not made, when you are not able to make yourself available for those people to teach, you will discover that you want to write the sermon yourself. You want to spend hours writing sermons instead of spending those hours talking to God, having fellowship with Him, and enjoying Him. And then He now comes and presents what it is that He wants to say to you, beloved. As I come to a close today, I want to challenge you to go and surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been born again, but you have not been sanctified. I will advise you to go back and say, Lord, I want to surrender my life afresh. And I want you to, I want, I'm ready to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in me. I'm open. And you see, when this work is being done, you are going to face challenges. You will face situations where the old nature would want to rise up again. But as long as you are, your faith is in the Lord, as long as you are trusting the Lord, you will find it easy. You will even discover that, ah, what's going on? I'm, I'm not getting angry as I used to. I'm not retorting as I used to. Why? Because you have surrendered yourself to the Lord. And until we meet again, I want to leave you with this thought, that without our being sanctified, our Christianity is a farce. It's a fallacy. It's false. And it is fake. It is only when we are sanctified that we can truly be said to be Christians. God bless you.